I was intrigued this week when I read this article in uh, Forbes online. (laughs) It started out with this line. It's no secret that Americans are fat. (laughs) And getting fatter by the burger. Nearly one third of U.S. adults are overweight. And another third are technically obese as defined by a body mass index of more than 30. And Americans aren't happy about it. Last year, we spent an estimated $46 billion on diet products and self-help books. Much of that money is wasted. Indeed, a government review found that two-thirds of the American dieters regained all the weight they had lost within a year, and 97% had gained it all back within five years. Club Fitness reports some 45.5 million people had gym club memberships, generating over $19.1 billion in business. Seemingly endless numbers of treadmills, elliptical, and weights equipment fill large warehouse facilities throughout every American city. And whether it's 40 or 50 or even 100 plus dollars a month, people line up to uh, pop on a set of headphones and sweat it out for 45 minutes on the bicycle. Unfortunately, the individuals this dedicated are few and far between. According to medical news today, some 80 percent of gym memberships are rarely or never used. Isn't that fascinating? And as a nation... You know, we're we're spending lots of money on health and fitness stuff, but statistics seem to show that that despite those expenditures, we are actually getting less healthy by the year. Some of you met Brian Brooks last weekend. Brian told me that he's a cyclist as well, and he loves to ride. Told me about a ride that he did out here in the Rockies a few years ago. He's coming from Ohio, and uh, he said it was one thing to bike at this altitude said, but I can remember this one particular day we were going up this pass that was just absolutely horrible and painful. And he said, I'm a pretty good cyclist, but I reached the point where I just thought to myself, I can't do this. I just can't do this. I know that thought. And uh, any of you who have ridden some of our passes, you, uh, you know that thought as well. Or it may not be cycling. It just may be that... Anytime you've done something in your life that requires grit and, uh, and, and discipline and, and effort, there is oftentimes that thought that pops into our heads. I, I can't do this. You know, it seems obvious to me that, <clears throat> at least from some of these statistics, that as, as a nation we are we're quite taken with the idea of fitness and the notion of being healthy, but... But there are a whole lot of folks that at some point or another make that decision. And whether they say it or not, the expression is, I can't do this or I don't want to do this. And I'm not sure, forgive me if this is harsh, I'm not sure that that the church is necessarily far behind in terms of its health and its fitness. I guess I find myself wondering sometimes about about discipline, you know, in, in, in the same way that if we're going to buy a membership to a health club, well, we've got to be disciplined to, uh, to get down to the health club and, and exercise. If we're, if we're going to buy a new pair of walking shoes, then we've got to be disciplined to tie those shoes on and to go out and to walk and to exercise. <clears throat> Whether it's eating more healthy, exercising more, dieting, some combination of those, those activities if, if a person is not disciplined to stick with it, uh, better health, fitness goals just aren't going to 
be realized. And I think that there's some similarity to the church. And some of you are wondering at this point, what on earth does this have to do with the church or anything in Ephesians? And it's okay if you're wondering that. I, you know, I, it, I, I do that too. Um, <clears throat> but I, I thought of this whole fitness and health thing as I was reading through our text this week. Because I, there's, there's fitness here. Let me, let me just give you a preview. Um, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You hear the, you hear the fit language there, the body language? Uh, the message puts it this way. Christ handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully Mature, fully developed within and without, fully alive like Christ. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. I love that. Do you hear that language? It's, it's about being a healthy body, a healthy congregation. God, God is very concerned about the health and the fitness of his people. But it might be that that health looks a little bit different than how we picture it. It might be that the discipline is, uh, is something a little bit different than, than what we might be uh, thinking about. I've, I've got some images for you this morning. Back to the, back to the, to the cycling image. Uh, you know, I like to cycle. And so this, this is uh, one of the things that I like to do to try to stay fit. Um, images of cycling. The first one all by himself. Um, this is my favorite way to cycle because you see, if I cycle by myself, I don't have to be held back by someone who's slower. I don't have to be embarrassed by someone who's faster. Uh, I don't have to engage in meaningless conversation. I don't have to be bothered with anybody. I can just bike and do my thing. It's my favorite way. Okay. Sometimes uh, we, we bike with others. And then, then I'm subject to those things that I just mentioned. This is sometimes known as, uh, you know, I've, I've seen couples ride these before. Husband and wife, marriage maker, or a marriage breaker. <clears throat> This just adds to the problems. Can you imagine this? This is a nightmare. And this last one, I don't know what to do with that. That's just absurdity. There's a, there's, there's a theme here. When we, when we think in terms of being the people of God, what is the image? Are you that individual? I just want to do my thing. It's just me and God. I don't want to mess with those other folks. Or do you want to be a part of that big, long bike that just looks like an accident waiting to happen? <laughs> I think 
If Jesus were here and he were to tell you what his favorite image is, guess which one it is? It's all those folks crammed together, working together, figuring it out together, engaging in conversation that some find meaningful and some don't. It's being together, working together, meeting one another in the process. So let's, uh, let's stand and read our text this morning. Listen for the emphasis here. Listen for, is it a single rider theme in terms of getting fit? Or is it a, uh, is it a multiple rider theme here? Uh, we're going to blaze through these verses together and uh, get to probably one point in the sermon this morning. So here we go. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean, except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants Tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. My brothers and my sisters, this is the word of the Lord. And so important. Go ahead and be seated. Okay. What did you hear? Was there a single rider emphasis there or multiple rider? What did you hear? Yeah, multiple, and it sounds kind of messy and inconvenient and time-consuming and bothersome. And welcome to the body of Christ. Okay, so I want you to turn to your neighbor and ask him this question really quickly, less than a minute. It's an easy answer. Why is unity in the body of Christ, which is what we just read about, why is unity so important? Why is unity so important? Okay, here we go. I'm pushing you along. Easy answer, right? Why is unity so important? 
I heard Laura say it. Can I put you on the spot? Go ahead. I don't know. <laughs> it's how the world will know that we're believers. So let me ask you again. Why is unity in the body of Christ so important? All right. Boy, you said that convincingly. Man, you know, it's all about witness. When we think about the body of Christ, Paul's, Paul's language here, when we think about the church, it's all about making God known through our lives. And God says that, that it's, it's better in terms of powerful witness, potential witness, it's better together than individually. Maybe the rider image is not the best thing, but, but the point of it is, is for us to understand that, that the health and fitness of God's people the, the, the measure of the health of a local body, a congregation, is measured in large part on how well folks are living out their lives together. This is not a surprise to us. We've, uh, we've heard this before. Certainly Paul has stressed this again and again to the Ephesians. God's amazing love has transformed sinful people. They go from being objects of wrath into becoming his children. And the proper response to this as much as I want to, is not to ride off into the sunset by, by, by myself. The proper response is to get into a group and to work it out, to ride together, to live together. Body parts. We're different parts of the same body. God has saved us to live out our salvation together. A couple of Sundays ago, we saw that first exhortation that we just read again this morning where, where Paul says to the Ephesian believers and to Applewood, live a life worthy of this calling that God has called us to. He's called us into his family. And we do that, he says, by being humble and gentle and patient. Remember that phrase, putting up with one another. Putting up with one another in love. As a rule, people do not live together well. It's just evidence of that all around the world. And so when God's people do it correctly, it's an opportunity for the rest of the world to go, wow, wow, there's, there's, something, there's something different here. Okay, I've got to take four points and I'm going to just make this morning because we're going to finish in just a couple of minutes. Maybe I can wrap the others into next week. Yeah, I heard a, pa- a story not so long ago about somebody, it might have been one of you, told me about a pastor that they had who took like a year to go through Acts chapter 1. So be encouraged. We're taking a while here on Ephesians. Um, but I think we can be done by Christmas of 2012. So <clears throat> it's important for the health of any congregation that is serious about living out what it means to be the body of Christ, to understand this sense of, of togetherness. And, and here's the challenge. Just like for so many in America who, who start out with great intentions, buying those, those health club memberships or, or buying that exercise equipment, it takes discipline, it takes determination, it takes realizing that, you know, that I can't get there unless I'm willing to go through this. Um, and, and those words, I can't do this. Those are not words that we want to hear in the body of Christ. There is a, there is a default mode in each one of us that, that, wants to, that wants to turn inward, that wants to turn to self, that wants to kind of live my life the way I want to live it. 
that is not the life that God has called us to. And, and here's, here's the one fitness key that I want you to take with you this morning. And hopefully we can come back and, and, and grab some of these other ones as well. God has given each one of us a particular gift or gifts of His grace that is necessary for the health of this body. We, we heard Paul say, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. He's not talking about grace for salvation there. You know, every one of us needs the same dosage of that. Man, that's just, you know, bring it on, God, and, and change my life. He's talking about the grace that, that finds itself manifested in, in the gifts and the talents and the abilities that God's people bring to the fellowship or the community. He used that wonderful language from Psalm 68 where the Lord Jesus ascended on high. After coming to earth and conquering the powers of darkness through his death and his resurrection, he ascended back to his throne and he scattered gifts to the people. So here's this image of the conquering king. You know, he's, he has conquered. The victory is his. He's on his way back to his throne and he's just passing out gifts to his people. It is a day of celebration. It is joyful. It is wonderful. It is exciting. And the challenge is, there are some of us that don't know that we have a gift. Or there are some of us that are sometimes standing in that crowd and we receive the gift that the king has given us and we're going, what did you get? I think I like yours better. He only gave me this? This is it? And we don't use our gifts. We don't use our gifts. Some think that their gift isn't important. Paul uses a number of gifts in this passage. He talks about leadership gifts, kinds of gifts that, that oftentimes put people in places where they are, they are seen and noticed. And unfortunately, where oftentimes those with leadership gifts are the ones who are appreciated and esteemed. People applaud and appreciate the pastor, but they don't necessarily applaud and appreciate the janitor, the one with the gift of service. Why is that? It's because we we very easily slip into the value system of the, the culture in which we live. We think that some gifts are better or more important than other gifts. We, we wouldn't say it that way, but, but that's, why, that's why pastors have their own reserved parking places in the church parking lot. By the way, why haven't you gotten mine yet? I keep looking for it every Sunday with that reserved for the pastor whoop de doo that's who we are folks and that mentality permeates into the life of the congregation and it damages in fact it sometimes kills the health of the family Paul was clear when he wrote his first letter to the Corinthians that every person in the congregation has a gift and a unique personality. And it's critically important to the life and the health of the congregation. Write down 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Go read that at some point today before the day's over. We have to understand every one of us has something of value to offer to this body. And, and to others no matter who they are. And you have something to offer to one another. Do you ever think that way? Do you ever think in terms of, man, i got to be there because, because God's got something that He's given me that my brothers and sisters need. 
Wow. I think the other reason that sometimes people don't use their gifts is that they may not even know what they are. Now, here's the irony. You can go online, you can do countless number of spiritual gift inventories till you are blue in the face if you're interested. The irony is the scripture never tells us how to find our gift. It just says we've all got gifts. And it gives us lists of gifts. Write down Romans 12. There's another great one to look at for gifts. But here's the thing. Scripture assumes that you'll use your gift, that you'll find out what your gift is. And you know what it assumes? You find out what your gift is when you're in a body, when you're you're part of the congregation, when you're living out life with others. That's the best way to identify your gift. Time spent with God's people. Now, can I give you an example? Some of you are going to say, okay, you're meddling here. Well, uh, it's not my intent to meddle, but I just have to tell you this. And you've heard me say something like this before. Wednesday night, Alafia dinners. Some of you don't even know we have them. Every Wednesday night, some of you have never darkened the door. I don't keep lists. That's not my thing. But I'm here to tell you, that's my favorite night of the week. Because we eat, that's a fun thing to do. And because we share life with one another. We eat together, we talk, we share life together. It's in those times we get to know one another. We learn about one another's lives. It's like riding a tandem bike. Sometimes it's fun and sometimes it's a pain. Because we're all different. God has made us that way. We bring gifts and abilities to the table. Sometimes we appreciate and sometimes we don't. But what this passage of Scripture calls us to is to an understanding of how important it is that we recognize that each one of us brings something to the table. I understand there are conflicts on Wednesday nights. I'm not a legalist. You know, thou shalt be at Alafia no matter what. No. I guess what I wonder is that if we can come, why don't we come? What is it about the body life that we haven't understood? What is it about the importance of of my presence in your life and your presence in my life that we don't understand? We We don't understand, we don't appreciate, we don't value what God has done in bringing us together in a way that brings out variety and diversity and beauty. My friends, God has given us everything we need as a congregation to be vitally fit. We don't have to go out and buy health, you know, uh, equipment. We don't need a membership. We just need to be together. We just need to spend time and be committed and understand that, that His Holy Spirit indwells us and that in that indwelling, there is marvelous opportunity for interaction and challenge and growth. The iron sharpening iron, as Proverbs talks about, it's a whole lot easier to just get on my bike and ride by myself. But God calls us to ride at least tandem, if not more. Praise Dean. Why don't you come on up? Dean, need to finish. Let me close with this. You want to guess what my gift is? You know, I'm, I'm one of those roles that... that that uh, Paul refers to here, that that pastor-teacher role. And he says in the text that we read this morning that, that God gives those people to the church for instruction, 
to prepare and equip God's people for works of service so that the end result may be the body of Christ being built up, growing in maturity, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That means that when, when people experience Applewood Community Church, they are experiencing the fullness of the presence of Christ on earth. So I just want you to know that I haven't been meddling this morning. I've just been using the gift that God has given me.